No lie, going after Goose Island for stealing the name Born and Raised. Beer for the sweaty consumer. And also, why is this dollar in my tip jar all moist? Miller Coors wins lawsuit. No, AB InBev does. No Miller Coors. AB InBev! Didn't we already do this? Uh, fuck it, it's all beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. Whether it's barley, rice, or corn, as long as they fermented it, we'll frickin' talk about it. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. How are you doing this day, Tyler? Oh, pretty good. How are you, Jeremy? Well, you know, it, it is the week of NABA, and I'm nowhere near it, so um, I'm, it, it's okay. I'm doing okay. Liver I'm, feels a little bit better? Uh, you know what? It stopped. Uh, it, it wasn't crying on the side of my bed this morning, so <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's doing better than I normally am during this week. Good, good. I, I saw some pictures when I was there last year. And I do look like death, uh, barely warmed over. So I mean, sampling beers all day and then going out drinking all night. Well, it wasn't even like it's a lot of those judging panels. You, the, they start at eight in the morning, and they start you off with like a barrel aged stout or some shit. I remember a couple of times going to lunch and being uh, pretty well drunk already. So, <laughs> and then yeah, then you go out at night and you know what? And you don't sleep. Twelve hours of steady drinking it wears on a guy. You wouldn't think it does, <laughs> but twelve hours a day, like a whole week. Yeah, it hurts. Nice. Well, what are we drinking here today? Well, so I got me uh, from Prairie uh, Artesian Ales, their tiny farmhouse. It's a petite saison. Uh, this one's actually really nice. It's, it's very light, very dry. It's got a really pleasant, uh, like, fresh hay or uh, or uh, barnyard flavor going on there. Nice. Um, just a little bit of earthiness. Well, got- I've got a little bit of the liquid truth serum from uh, Dogfish Head. A.K.A. Boston Beer Company, you know? Uh, no, I mean, uh, 7%, to be truthful, it's a just solid, easy-drinking IPA. I mean, typical kind of West Coast style. A little bit of bitterness, some citrus, but nothing that blows my skirt up. I was wondering what you are wearing under there. That's that's just disturbing. Okay. <laughs> Thank God this table... Says bit. the guy who wears fucking kilts. Not right this second, but yes, I do. It's... <laughs> Airflow, man. Airflow. All right. So you won't be that sweaty consumer. <laughs> I'm not going to be that, well, depending on the day. <laughs> AB InBev news now. <laughs> so. <laughs> Speaking of sweaty balls. <laughs> the corporate equivalent of sweaty balls. Um, well, I think uh, I, I think we, uh, we'll just get into it. Um, this goes back to actually one of our trailers. Uh, if, you're, if you haven't been following, um, way back in the Super Bowl, uh, AB InBev got rather bitchy at Miller Coors about uh, whether or not they add corn syrup versus rice syrup versus whatever the fuck they add to beer. Well, uh, AB InBev today got their, or this week, got their hand slapped when a court ruled this week that uh, they can't use, quote, specific language. Um, I couldn't find in any article exactly what that language is, but uh, they kind of was, were told, uh, you straighten up a little bit. Yeah, they're going to have to pull some billboards, I think several uh, either radio or TV ads, uh, just kind of reel it back in, uh, not go so hard be uh, at Miller Coors for this. Which, the fun part that I saw is it was a Wisconsin judge, which makes sense why uh, Miller Coors filed the lawsuit in Wisconsin, because Miller, Milwaukee, they're going to be ruled a little more favorably than if they were in St. Louis. Also a Midwest state that grows quite a lot of corn, so there's there may be some sympathies there. Not that AB InBev, I think, has a lot of friends anymore in this country. But it doesn't hurt. 
I mean, it definitely, it, it definitely was, is a little bit on Miller Coors' side, but, but the strange thing is, is that both sides came out like declaring victory. Um, I remember saying on Twitter that ABM Bev declared it a quote uh, a win for consumers, which, well, that's bullshit on a stick. <laughs> they don't give a fuck about consumers, but they're very transparent, Tyler. They're transparently full of shit. You can actually see the shit piling up inside. <laughs> you know what? I I read quite a few articles. Um, about this, and I've got to say, the most painful thing about this is the lack of knowledge that because this is this is no longer in like the Beer Street Journal or Beer Advocate or anything. This has, of course, gotten into the pro- mainstream news. Yeah, and it's painful to hear them describe why this is a big deal. I saw more than one news agency um, say that corn uh, corn syrup versus rice syrup is basically the same because they aid fermentation. Which, I mean, no. It, they're fermented. They're, they it, they turn it into booze. Which would aid fermentation. If you have no sugars, you can't ferment. All right, brewing 101 to anybody who's covering this. Okay, here's how you make beer. You take barley. You mash it so the starches go into simple sugars that right. the yeast can eat. They burp out alcohol and piss out booze. And you can also augment this with corn or rice, originally because you're a cheap bastard and those greens are uh, are, are are cheaper. Originally, it was because uh, back in the day, some brewers didn't get access to as malted barley, or so they went with the crops that they had plenty of. Fair enough. I mean, we're going way back. But way back, like when Yingling yeah. and Sons was founded. <laughs> I mean, there's that, and then, you know, then you got Miller and Coors that just start augmenting these, because, I mean, frankly, they're making cheap beer, and it's cheaper, but it's another sugar. It doesn't aid fermentation. It, was just, it is fermented. It is fermented, which is, yeah, and which, uh, that's the other part of this story that I I think everybody's fucking missing, is that what you put into a beer is not what comes out. It's the other, like, weird gray area that is just not being discussed. I mean... Whether you put corn or rice in, it doesn't matter. It's not what comes out. It's like or saying, honey, or yeah, it's like it's like saying that your poop is made out of beer and pizza. It technically is, but there have been some other processes in the, <laughs> in the, in the in, that have happened between those two things. It's well, not well. It's like when someone sees a honey beer on tap and they go, "Oh, I don't want to try that. It's going to be super sweet." Exactly. And I'm like, well, if they actually used honey in it, it's going to be very dry because honey's completely fermentable. Where if they use a honey malt, you'll actually get a little sweetness. You know what the most frustrating thing is? It's almost like reading a story about national politics right now. Mostly because it doesn't seem to even matter what the facts are, even if you understand fermentation or beer brewing at all. If you're predisposed to dislike AB InBev, like I think most everybody in craft beer and now I think anywhere else in the beer industry... Is it's kind of like yeah they're assholes for the proof that they are assholes they are gigantic gaping rose shaped assholes and if you are predisposed to drink Bud Light then you say I don't give a fuck it's Bud Light so True. it's I don't know it's infuriating to me it's 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 terrible <laughs> it, the Bud Light loyalist is is it's a strange it's a strange thing to me they're unbreakable man like you will not get a, a Bud Light diehard a Coors Light. But you could give a Coors Light diehard a Bud Light, and they'll be like, eh, okay. Which is weird, because Coors Light has less flavor, I feel. I, 
we use Coors, when we're doing off-flavor classes, we use Coors Light because it's literally the lightest beer you can find so that the, the things we add to it to give it the impression of off-flavors come out more. We can't use Bud Light because, fun fact, it already has an off-flavor. <laughs> Part of the whole fermentation thing, it has acetylethylhyde, so... Another another thing they're glossing over. I don't know. It's it's meaning it's more or less meaningless. I think, which is kind of like their beechwood aging. Yeah, uh, filter more for filtering than uh, I, I forgot about that. They haven't uh, brought that up for a while. Oh, uh, you still see it on the trucks, uh, and that's just for Budweiser, not Bud Light. But I don't know. It's depressing. Yes. So I figure I feel like um, uh, it would be somewhat appropriate uh, in honor of Bud Light to. Uh, Describe their beer for them. Uh, um, hold on, let me just uh, uh, cue up some music. Okay. <clears throat> Bud Light taste, like all the shame, embarrassment, and assholishness of an elevator fart, was available in liquid form. <laughs> I was going to say it tastes like a LaCroix went sour. <laughs> Bud Light tastes like rat shit boiled over a hobo's barrel fire then filtered through A-Rod's jockstrap. <sighs> oh... I was going to say it was beaverages sent through a rotten oak tree filtered with a hobo's beard. (laughs) Hobos are definitely a factor in. But I I don't know. Bud Light is what would happen if Phlegm could somehow develop seasonal depression. (laughs) You got me. You got me. (laughs) Bud Light and AB and Bev, fuck you. And music. Tyler, um, unfortunately we're not done with AB InBev. Uh, what's the next story? Let's go with uh, AB InBev's Patsy here, uh, Goose Island, being some dicks. Well, at least they're, uh, at least they're uh, uh, being a good son, doing just like the daddy says. Oh, yeah. So, uh, here in the Northwest, there's a brewery out of Spokane, Washington called No Lie. Used to be Northern Lights until they had a whole lawsuit issue and had to change their name, so they shortened it to No Lie. N-O-L-I. One of their flagship beers is their Born and Raised IPA. Uh, And according to an article I found in the Chicago Tribune by Josh Knoll, who wrote the book that we talked about in a previous episode, uh, is writing this article, and he starts it off saying, uh, the owner of No Lie um, was congratulated by a friend for getting his flagship beer, Born and Raised IPA, into Wrigley Field. Uh, the owner then paused and said, we don't distribute to Illinois. Uh, his friend pulled up Untapped, which most beer drinkers are familiar with. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, saw a check-in on Untapped of a guy sitting on the third baseline with a picture of a beer and said, and checked in drinking a No Lie, born and raised. Well, it turns out uh, No Lie's been producing this beer since 2012. Goose Island started producing a beer, a pale ale that they called Born and Raised, exclusively for in-Chicago markets. They released it last month. Okay. Uh, the owner of No Lie decided to reach out to them uh, because he's worked at previous breweries such as Oscar Blues, Odell, and Deschutes. Uh, he was able to get in contact with the guys over at Goose Island and... Asked them to stop distributing that beer by the end of summer. uh, Just because, you know, that is their beer. Uh, Goose Island pretty much told them to get back. They said, uh, 
they remain committed to a brand in which they see plenty at stake. So they remain committed to being gigantic rose-shaped assholes. Yes, that is a good brand for them. I I, I think uh, I think AB InBev and all their affiliates. I'm starting to think complete raging dickholes. Oh, 100 percent. And uh, the owner of No Lie was talking how he's a little bit worried if he has to try to take this to court. They're a small local brewery that distributes to just a couple states. What if he has to try to take them to court and they have deep ass fucking pockets? They got they got Belgian money and Brazilian money there. Yeah. More or less endless resources to just kick a little guy till he's down. Yeah. So, uh, a couple bars in Chicago have refused to carry it because of that. Apparently, uh, their whole premise is they used to have a beer in there called the Green Line Pale Ale, named after one of the subway lines in Chicago. And they were talking about how that was only going to be a Chicago beer. It was a huge flop. So now they're doing the Born and Raised to try to unflop themselves try yep. to undo their their shit storm try to unfuck themselves yes and how's that going <laughs> uh we'll find out so it's kind of in a standoff uh they're claiming that since he's never distributed to illinois that uh he doesn't have any right to control them but i'm calling bullshit because it was a first use trademark so when he used it he's distributed outside of states that beers won a silver or gold medal at the world beer cup so it's reached domestically and globally, so they should have the rights to that trademark. But I'm just gonna just just a little bit of devil's advocate. I mean, but there is the the, the issue at at hand is whether or not a uh, consumer would likely mistake born and raised for born and raised, and that's not likely to happen unless they're distributed in the same place, which they're not. Uh. AKA look at Untapped. Good, fair enough. I guess I guess with Untapped, you're right. Someone actually did. You can kind of hold up and say, uh, Untapped, uh, right there. Someone fucking mistook it for us. Yeah, because they're not using the typical Goose Island Goose Tap handle. They're using a completely different, uh, just unique tap handle for this. So it would be, it would be easy for a customer to go, oh, born and raised. I've never seen that tap handle before. Oh, that's Untapped says that's no lie. I'm just kind of curious to see what happens. The first thing to come up when I say it, when I type in "born and raised" on Untapped, um, the first one is "born and raised" from No Lie. And oh, look, there's Goose Islands born. <laughs> this is interesting. So, uh, No Lie's uh, brand is born Amperstand raised, and Goose Island and there's the Goose Island born plus sign raised. So. And there's a Born and Raised Pennsylvania IPA from East End Brewing. Born and Raised IPA from Dock Street Brewing. Born and Raised... Pi- oh, okay, that's from No Lie again. Uh, all right, from... It looks like from... They may have a... They may have a... Look, everybody's done it, and they're only going after us. At least... I'm seeing at least three or four other Born and Raised IPAs. The thing with a trademark is you got to protect it when you find out, so they may not have found out and then have just reached out to those people, but they found out about... The, the Goose Island. I guess, yeah, you have to... And that, that's kind of the shitty thing about all this. It kind of pits crappers against each other sometimes is that you have to... You have to kind of come out and be an asshole. Say, uh, no, mine. Yeah. And, you know, here's a cease and desist. And, you know, let's... I think most times, most breweries are just able like, oh, shit, okay, let's... Yeah, we'll stop. Thank you. Yeah, we'll change the name of our beer. Can we finish running out these labels? And most breweries are like, yeah, no, we get it. Just don't. 
yeah. do it anymore. Unless you're an AB InBev uh, uh, bot brewery, in which case you can do whatever the fuck you want. So, mm-hmm. But it was also, if you look back at a incident that happened with a brewery here in town, uh, Payette Brewing, their outlaw pale ale that had to change to Rustler because mm-hmm. a brewery in Illinois said, even though Payette doesn't distribute out there, said, we had the outlaw first, change your beer. Oh, shit, I just... Well, Golden Road out of California made a, uh, a a brewery in Nebraska that was just starting up change their entire name because Golden Rod was too close to Golden Road. So, well, they weren't owned by AB InBev at the time, but they were assholes, so they went... So they Brand fits. It, the brand fits, so it's only a matter of time before they were uh, going to AB InBev. So, um, yeah, that, that fucking sucks. Yeah, so hopefully uh, No Lie can come out on top with this um, because... It's pretty fucked up. I was hoping, you know, as I was reading the article, for them to be like, yeah, Goose Island said, you know, we're sorry, we'll f- sell the rest of this batch and won't do it again. Yeah, that'd be the proper thing to do. We probably wouldn't have to talk about it, but they were... But they it were... is what it is. Okay, so there we go. Um, I guess what we're learning is that, uh, that although I think... I. I feel like there's a lot of pushback from the individual breweries that are owned by AB InBev. Like, no, 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 we're just owned, but we're really, we're really craft breweries. Uh, you're, you, you act like assholes if you got the money behind you. You hang out with a pompous dick enough, you become a pompous dick. <laughs> uh, and your beer tastes like, and your beer starts tasting like shit. That just is a, is a fact. And speaking of, uh... Odd- I almost brought an infected Bourbon County. <laughs> just for this article, yeah, we almost should have just be, just so we could describe that is in a funny way that I can't think of off the top of my head. I'm not that clever. <laughs> uh, beer trends news now. Um, so we we did a we kind of dabbled into this story when we were doing like a practice record that ended up as a trailers, but this one didn't make the cut. Um, but we it's something that I think we we have been that's been tossed around that we just haven't gotten into. I feel like we have to talk about this now because it was in the fucking New York times. Um, and that's this new trend for craft breweries to essentially compete with Michelob ultra, or at least make a beer for those that are more health conscious. Like I said, we've kind of danced around this. Um, but, uh, in an article entitled craft brewers, lighten up and take on the sweaty consumer. By the way, if the if the phrase "sweaty consumer" upsets you, uh, strap in. This is going to be a long one for you. <laughs> Let's all have some self reflection here and just recognize most craft beer fans are bigger guys. You're already they're already sweaty consumers, just not for the same reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, you got the meat sweats. <laughs> uh, the story kind of focuses on a. Uh, um, uh, Sam Cully, how do you sell, has, say his last Sam name? Sam Callion. Thank Cullion. you. I, I, the founder of Dogfish Head. Thanks. Well, former founder of Dogfish Net. No, still the founder. Oh, still founder, former owner of Dogfish Head. There we go. Um, Sam Callion of Dogfish Head. Uh, it centers around him and his efforts to make uh, to make a couple of beers for the uh, health conscious. One of those beers I didn't know apparently was Sequench. Yeah, I, I remember when Sequench came out, how they were like. You know, this is a beer that you can drink right after a workout. It, it'll refresh you and rehydrate you because it's got salt in it. I was like, okay, Gatorade. <laughs> I mean, I kind of dig that beer. I never thought of it as like... It was a fucking goza. I was like, this is how the style's supposed to be. So I, I guess there's... 
that that's good. I mean, you made a beer that I did that I was able to drink. Like this is nice. This is a nice goza. You didn't. And it, oh yeah, it's for the health conscious. Oh, fuck it, it's delicious. Um, well then, give me two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fuck that up. Um, he's also uh, he's also working on uh, like something like a light IPA, sort of like what Lagunitas is currently doing there. Uh, their day drinker, I think it's called. Uh, yeah, kind of like the all-day IPA from yeah. Founders. and It's a Citra dry hopped, but I, so light that it basically tastes like hops and water. Okay. Uh, at least that was my impression. I wasn't too impressed with that. Wasn't too impressed with that one. Um, the, also, the, the article also mentions um, a Sufferfest brewery, or Sufferfest brewery out of uh, California, and they specialize in crafting beer for runners. And they just got sold to Sierra Nevada this summer, yes, didn't they? they? Did. Yeah. Yes, they did. And I also want to just take a moment to appreciate the honesty behind Sufferfest being beer for runners. <laughs> well, I think when I read the article that they sold, they talked about how they were making beer for runners. And Sufferfest is like a race that happens. And so they were like, oh, this is perfect. I mean, that sounds like running. Yeah, that's it. that sounds awful. I don't run unless something's chasing me. <laughs> So you don't run. Or I'm chasing something. And frankly, if someone were chasing something were chasing you, you'd take you'd weigh your options like, eh, are they gonna kill me? Can I take them? Can I shoot them? <laughs> How very Ida- northern Idaho of you, Tyler. <laughs> I don't have to outrun the bear, I have to outrun you. And that's why I shoot you in the leg first. Um so yeah, Sierra Nevada uh, <laughs> bought this brewery uh, earlier this year and they they market themselves to the sweaty consumer, which is just it's just way they wait they use that phrase way too much in this article. The phrase sweaty consumer, just like you can almost hear them. I'm calling all my customers now the sweaty consumers. <laughs> Our customers are absolutely dripping. We follow them with a mop. Look at them. <laughs> Please. I mean, in a Boise summer, everyone's sweating. Um, I checked their website. They were they remind me a lot of uh, Doctor Jekyll. Did you ever remember their, some of their? Oh, beers? their beers were fucking atrocious. <laughs> they they kind of had the same idea where they. I had, think like, they went out of business, didn't they? I have no idea. I remember. I know they pulled out of market, but I know they had a few beers here. Um, at one point in time, they tried to sell it to a to one of the uh, to a taproom I was working at. Uh, we bought them, but ended up discounting them because they just didn't move. They were yeah. oh, marginal at best. But a lot of what they're doing kind of reminds me of them. They have like a they have their standard pilsner, which makes sense. They have a pale with black currant and a kolsch with bee pollen, which I'm not even sure what the fuck that's supposed to taste like. Is it wild bee? I didn't say. It just killer said bee? bee. I hope so. If it's killer bee, I'll drink it. It just said bee pollen. Uh, it didn't specify the bee. Bitches. I don't. Know if, I don't know if they just take the bee and throw it in there or bee for bitches. Wait, how do wouldn't it be flower pollen, not bee pollen? Well, well, now you're just... Now, if you get it from the flower, it's flower pollen. But if you pull it off the bee, it's bee pollen. But the bee doesn't produce pollen. But the bee has pollen on it. Yeah, from a fucking flower. Well, now you're, well, now you're arguing so bad. If you, get it, if you like, take the bee and boil the bee, and then you got bee pollen. But then they just killed a honeybee, and we need fucking honeybees if you want fucking honey. And, that's, and now we've solved the mystery of why the honeybees are disappearing. Fucking Sufferfest is running into your, running into your, uh, uh, your field, grabbing your bees and dunking them into their beer. Take a fucking wasp. <laughs> okay, we got sidetracked. We got that way, way off the rails. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think we've... We, uh, I have mixed feelings about this whole 
about this whole idea of crafting because besides besides brewery, breweries like Sufferfest, which are still doing even a kind of atrocious sounding, but they're still doing kind of crafty things. They're doing things that are using strange ingredients, trying to coax interesting flavors from, from especially in lighter beers. The trend seems to be going. Let's do like lighter American lagers, uh, especially in, in in lower calories. And it just feels like to at me at that point make a hard seltzer. Well, it just feels like to me that like, is that the it's 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 a shitty end to the great you know craft beer experiment is and we all start doing American lagers. What you know that we have all we we explored all these styles everything from stouts to we rewoke uh, gozas that are dead in in Leipzig. Um, sour ales are now a thing again. And we've all go okay. Let's all just do like American light lager, so we don't get fat. It just it something about that depresses me. Yeah, I get that. I think part of it has to play with palate fatigue. You slam so many big barrel aged stouts, triple IPAs, barrel aged sours. Eventually, on a hot day, you're just gonna want a crushable beer. I get that, and I definitely there are, there are days when I want anything but an IPA. Just can I please taste something besides, especially now with like the the big tropical fruit citrus peel in everything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are still a lot of non craft beer drinkers out there that those lighter beers are good transition in. Yeah, and I mean, there in the article they mentioned um, it, one brewery basically said, "Hey, you know, why should we see ground? Why should we see this whole style to the uh, to the big guys? Why can't we dabble in there?" And my first reaction is because, well, they've been doing it longer and arguably better. And by better, I mean they produce more, more of efficiently. It for, yeah, more efficiently is a better word. Um, although he he does an American light lager and tags on an extra three bucks and tries to pull some people out of the uh, the Bud Coors uh, uh, crowd, but which is an honorable goal, I guess, but. I guess I oh, again mixed feelings though. I wanted I did want to ask you, beer trends being what they are because they're always infuriating. There's never been a beer trend where I'm like I'm completely okay with this. Let's keep adding lactose to everything. That's amazing. Barrel aged stouts. <laughs> that was a trend I was okay with. Okay, uh, fair play. You just have to prove me wrong at every given uh, <laughs> opportunity, don't you, you asshole? Yes. Okay. Like I said, you hang out with the pompous dick long enough. Fair enough. That does assume that that this does not bode well for me. Things are <laughs> I I people already assume I am a pompous dick. So oh, that's what I was calling you. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I thought you were being self-deprecating. Yeah, maybe okay. a little. Tyler, <laughs> since we know this trend is a thing and there's no getting around it, what should the craft brewer do? I mean, you own the craft you you own a craft brewery. You know, everybody's wanting these under sixty-four calorie. 20 carb beers. How do you respond to that? Do you join the trend or do you just say, no, fuck it, we're not participating? So we do an American lager at the brewery, but that is more for a transition if we have people come in that go, I drink Coors and Bud. What beer would be close? And we go, here, try this. And they go, perfect, I'll take one. But we're not brewing beer for low calories, low carbs. If you want that, order a hard seltzer. Or order a cider or a wine, or we got a water cooler over there. You can go get some. Well, and they mentioned they mentioned hard seltzers um, in that article quite a quite a few times. But a lot of a lot of the pushback is breweries saying, "Well, we don't. Well, a we don't have the 
the equipment to produce a hard seltzer. B, we don't want to. And sometimes people still want a beer. They just want to, they want something lighter. They want something that won't make their ass big, I guess. I think you've got to identify who your core group of customers are, who your target customer is. If it's someone who's super health conscious, then yes, you start adding a style or two like that to target them. Most of our people love barbecue, pizza, (laughs) wings, so I think we're fine with not having to focus on a low-cal beer. You're also in Garden City, Idaho, so you might be you might be insulated from this trend. Yeah, <laughs> there's just know. a little. Um, for those of you who may be listening elsewhere are not familiar with, it um, is the Pearl of Boise. Uh, sure. So uh, Boise, the state capital of Idaho, surrounds Garden City. If you go, if you're in Garden City and go a block, pretty much either way from where you are, you'll usually drive out of Garden City. It's basically one street full of breweries, wineries, and one cidery. And trailer parks. <laughs> no, no trailer parks on that street. <laughs> Car dealerships. <laughs> Sorry, the trailer parks are in one street. Yes. It is the weirdest little it is the weirdest little area of town because it is one of those you're like you got the breweries, trailer park, fucking million dollar house, river. Yes. It is being developed uh, for people getting priced out of the more expensive parts of Boise. They're moving in here. It's kind of that live, work, create art district. Uh, The city's made it super easy for breweries and wineries to open up. They've embraced us all, and we've all kind of clustered together, making for a really fun tour if you want to go from one side to the other. So here is expecting to be able to like rant on Garden City, but you're all, you're right you're, you're standing up to defend them. This is a, this is yeah, it's it, it, irritating to me. <laughs> it is the pearl of Boise. Yeah, in the, in the sense that there's something irritating that got somewhere where it shouldn't be, and, and creates, it's developed and blossomed. I was gonna say and created something sort of kind of acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it some parts of Garden City are Garden Shitty, so. <laughs> Or is it just is it just better than Northern Idaho at this point in time? It's better than Meridian. <laughs> like I said, I was hoping to have a little slugfest on Garden City, but okay, Garden City—it's the place to be if you're in Idaho. Um, <laughs> no, live in Boise, drink in Garden City. You can drink in Boise too. There are arguably some there. There are breweries there. You can go there. Yeah, but not as clustered. <laughs> You say not necessarily embrace it, just read the read the crowd, huh? Yeah, that that would be my whole thing is kind of read the crowd. We've you have people that if you have CrossFitters that are coming in, or you know your main group of customers is people who are super active, mountain bike every day, do all this. Yes, it makes sense to do a more health conscious beer or look at Oscar Blues. Start off big mountain bike group. I mean, they make a fucking bike, for God's sakes. Uh, and now they're doing a hard seltzer. I just realized, you guys have a CrossFit uh, gym across the... Uh, no, it used from... to be there, then we ran them off. Now it's a bodybuilding gym. Okay, so you have a bodybuilding gym. Yeah, they come over and drink beer still. So Okay, they're, they're fine. They, don't, they're they do bring... like the strongman competitions where uh, occasionally they'll be outside hitting a tire, pulling a car... So your so your audience is basically thick neck guys named Gunter and people who eat too much pizza and drink too much beer. Yes, you have a good audience, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, what's up next? Uh, up next, we have a fun little report from uh, Nielsen, uh, the people that mainly do TV ratings, but um, they 
published a little article after doing some research that said the hotel bar is becoming a destination for American drinkers. I mean, yeah, it always has been. That's where you stumble down and you get shit-faced because there's nothing else to do in a hotel. But more than ever now, uh, where some hotel bars, you just used to walk in, they had Bud Coors and liquor. And occasionally, like, something, like New Belgium or something. Yeah, and it's you'd go down there to get schnockered, take the $5 hooker at the bar up to the room. Ah, Lisa, I miss you. <laughs> but um, it's going... Up with people actually uh, wanting to drink more at a hotel bar or going to a hotel bar, even if they aren't specifically staying there, to drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because they're stepping their game up with either cocktails, wine, or an array of local beer. Or just better beer. Um, So they talked, the top three drinks of choice uh, among business travelers at hotels now are table wine, cocktails and craft beer and craft beer was tied with cocktails at 25 percent, and table wine was at 28 percent. that kind of surprised me especially in an age where beer is a whole people are consuming less although as we've as we stated beer as a whole is is being consumed less but craft beer is kind of inching up so mm-hmm. and uh they were talking how uh some hotels have been particularly perceptive to the drinking trends and have kind of align their resources to promote better drinks, uh, run better happy hours, do a better cocktail program. They talked about the Ritz-Carlton, Four Seasons, Hyatt Regency, Omni Hotels and Resorts, and JW Marriott Hotels. I know locally here there's a hotel, The Modern, uh, has a killer cocktail program and then just does cans of beer and some wine. Uh, But I know people that will go there just to have a cocktail. I, I do I do remember when I was traveling all the time the if you were in a better place yeah you could find the hotel bar that and they, they were starting to stock mm-hmm. more and more like local craft beer it was kind of mm-hmm. cool to be able to have access to that and not have to go too far or have to navigate a strange city especially if you just got in and just want to get a little buzz on before you collapse with the five dollar hooker yeah I mean with the hotel bars I know when I travel if I'm staying in a hotel. I'll look and see what they have at the bar, and if they have a local brewery that's there, and I'm going to out to check out a couple local breweries, I'll usually try to skip that brewery because I'm like, I can try it at the bar, and if I fall in love with it at the bar, then yes, I'm going out to seek that, but it gives me an option to check something out without having to get an Uber or drive somewhere. So that's cool. Um, I mean, one more market, I think, for craft beer uh, salespeople to have to to uh, uh, have to call on I think and keep their keep their eye on although I think well, most of you are, they probably do already I was gonna say I know we've sold to a couple of hotels and you have surprising velocity because they'll yes you're gonna have your domestic beer diehards that are gonna just walk in and order that but then you'll have the people like you and I that say oh what's local on this board oh I'll try that Oh, I'll try that. Nice. That's kind of a cool trend, I think. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, well, cool trends, bizarre trends, <laughs> so whatever you want to call it. In the spirit of NABA this week and some crazy weird beers, uh, the New York Post did an article saying uh, craft beer makers are coming up with some insane flavors. I'm not really going to dive into the whole article. I mainly just wanted to talk about 
kind of spitball back and forth with you on some of these beers. How much is this going to hurt me? I mean, because I know that if if there are two things that can be slammed together, whether they have any earthly reason to be slammed together, craft brewers will do it, and they will do it with gusto. Oh, yeah. So is this going to... So, probably a little. There is a strange brew festival in Reno, Nevada... Uh, I kind of want to go to there. I, I was like, I wish I knew this festival was going on. I probably would have took the day trip. and <laughs> Just go down there. I'm going to taste some weird ass shit. Yeah. A uh, couple of the styles that are there. Uh, a steak and onion Kolsch. That sounds awful. Macaroni and cheese pale ale. That's all right. If you're if there's cheese in a beer, that means something's gone wrong. You need to check your hops. <laughs> uh, tamale lager. That sounds amazing. A smoked carrot stout. Who smoked... Wait, you smoked... They took a carrot and smoked it? Apparently. Or you smoked malt in it. Or, okay, yeah. Smoking carrots. Peanut butter and pickle pilsner. All right, that's... Again, you have an infection. Check your goddamn fermenters. There were beers brewed with Jolly Ranchers. uh, Spicy ones that tasted like garlic bread and mango salsa. Again... Your, your hops are wrong if you've got garlic in there. And you were right, actually, way back when about the Summit hops, about oniony and garlicky. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> so quit using summer, Summit hops. or, or In late editions and dry hops. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, a Rocky Mountain Oyster Stout. You know, I, I read about that one, and I'm just curious enough to want some ball I'd beer. I'd try it. I'd, I'd try some ball beer. I'd get some balls in my mouth. It wouldn't be the first time you did. Uh, well, okay, that was that was in college, and I was young, drunk, and in love, and we agreed not to talk about it. Uh, Bloody Mary beer. I feel like a Bloody Mary could already be made out of beer. Yeah, red beer. Yeah, okay, so you you made a red beer. Well done. An IPA made with alter bread, grapes, and turpins. So, so you've not made an IPA. You've made a you've you've someone slipped and fell into the uh, IPA uh, uh, vat, and you go, well, shit. Let's not dump that. Let's just... What are we carrying? Okay, let's just go with it. Yeah. So, those were just some of the styles, and they were talking about how, you know, back in the day, Belgians used to really experiment with some crazy flavors, like throwing cherries in back at that time. And now that the today's craft brewers are just taking it to a level unthinkable back then. Well, there is... People will have will throw anything into beer that can be thrown into beer. Um, study even studying historical beers, you start learning that where even factors like flavor or edibility or whether or not it's fucking poisonous didn't really matter to uh, to whether what they were throwing in there. Trial and error, man. <laughs> Plug and chug. Well, we killed off half the village. Um, let's maybe not put that in there. It was their god's will. <laughs> Which I guess is how we're going to end. I didn't know this is how we're going to end this uh, episode, but I think this is how it's going to come to an end. Um, science is good because you don't you kill a lot fewer people by not putting poison in your beer. Hence <laughs> overcrowding of the Earth's population. Okay, good point. Um, uh, praise be to Jesus, and let's throw some fucking cyanide in there. I was going to say in coffee, but... <laughs> All right. Well, uh, do we have any more blasphemy we want to commit before we uh, uh, tow this thing? Oh uh, no! I just hope I don't get struck by lightning on my way home. Well, you'd be—it's better you than me. Uh, this has been it's all beer. Um, the music today was "Retro Future Dirty" by Kevin McLeod, and also we're gonna throw dances and dames in there too for the uh, for our little Bud Light uh, interlude. Um, 
And of course, you can get a hold of us at, uh, at itsallbeer at gmail.com if you have a request, because, you know, we take those now, apparently. Or you just run into us at the bar. Uh, you can also twi- get, us, get a hold of us on Twitter at itsallbeer1 or at Facebook at itsallbeer. Uh, make sure you, uh, when you get this podcast, give us a rating because five stars makes Tyler Cable. <laughs> and just like that, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a sight to behold. It really is. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us. Uh, uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. Let's go have a beer. Thank you.